Well, last Sunday was the Super Bowl. How many of you watched the Super Bowl? A few of you. How many of you watched the Super Bowl for the commercials? Because that's always the highlight. I mean, that's after the score is, they, you watch the news, after they have the score on the game, they always talk about the, what, what were the best commercials, and, and uh, especially in the States. I don't know about the Canadian commercials. I never watched it. I, to be honest, I forgot about it. But um, anyways, but that's, you know, that's how life goes, right? And so you, you watch the Super Bowl, you watch the commercials. People, it's crazy dollars are spent on commercials for the Super Bowl unbelievable, insane amounts of money for a few seconds, 30 seconds of a commercial. Millions of dollars get spent on those commercials. But the funny thing about it is, we, you know, we go to football games, we, we go to concerts, we come to church, we, we do things as a community. We like doing things with other people, don't we? We, we don't like doing things alone very often. And um, it, it's way more engaging to do something and to, to, to talk, to involve other people in whatever we're doing. Um, now, I, I know some of you are introverts, and I want to just, I want to acknowledge you here. You, you'd probably rather say, you know, I'd rather be alone to watch the game because I don't want any noise, I don't want any distractions, I want to just be able to, just to be able to watch the game or watch, you know, watch what's going on. I just want to be by myself. But somehow I think, when your team is winning, I think you want other people around you as well. Somehow there's just, there's an engagement there, right? There's something that goes on. There's a relational connection that happens when we, we do stuff together. And so, I mean, if you think about some of the big things that happen in our world today, I mean, you know, there's, there's, people have parties for when Star, a new Star Wars movie comes out. I mean, people do insane things. So go watch the new Star Wars movie. They get dressed up in costumes. My own kids have done that. I mean, not really crazy, but they have dressed up in costumes and they've done some of those kinds of things. And people watch, people have survivor parties and people have all kinds of parties about watching certain television shows. And those are cool because we like to do things together. And one of the best things we like to do together is what? Eat. We love potlucks, right? Well, most of us like potlucks. Some people have issues with food and that they don't enjoy potlucks as much. But most of us like potlucks, right? Because we get to do it together. And there's something about gathering around a food that tears down barriers and we engage one another. However, there are, there are a few things that we don't like to do together. I have a picture here that's going to go up on the screen. Can you guess what that is happening there? Bathroom door, that's right. Everybody waits at the bathroom door for mom or dad to come up. We, that's one thing we don't do together. We do alone, and that's okay. There are other things we probably can come up with that we'd like to do alone as well. But by the same token, God calls us to be in people in community. Jorge talked last week about this whole aspect from, from me to we, about us being a family. And that some, that God has designed the church to be a better family, perhaps, than what your natural family is. There's a lot of broken families in our world. Even good families sometimes can, can, things don't go well in good families. Every family's got its issues. My family's had issues. You know, my wife's family's had issues. I bet everybody's here's family. As good as the family it is, there's probably a few little bumps in the road in their families. 
in your family. But the thing about the church is this. God designed us to be, to, it's almost like a re-envisioning of a family because there's lots of people out there whose family is not good. Who, when you say family, they, it, it, it has this image that is not good. Is not good. And there's brokenness and there's pain and there's suffering with that. But God's family, the church, is to be like family 2.0. It's the new revised version of what the family was designed to be. And it's God bringing people together in in a new way. So the question is, how does it function? How does it work? What does it look like? Well, as as Jorge and I talked about about this a couple of weeks ago, we kind of narrowed it down to three things. And kind of three things we sense that, and there's more. There's more that could be into this thing. But these are probably three things that I think we, that, actually I think there were Jorge's ideas, his, his thoughts on it. But these are three things that I thought we really, we kind of sensed was really portrayed what a family is all about. The first one is this aspect. And it's a little bit scary. It's called transparency. Can we let people into our lives? You see, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, that's exactly where walls began to come up. When Adam and Eve sinned, they put up a wall. And they found they had to go find some clothes. They had to hide themselves, even between Adam and Eve, they had to hide themselves from each other. Because there was because sin does that to us. It, it, it creates a wall between us. And... And between Adam and even God, there was this wall. And so that's one of the, one of the things that God wants to tear down is that wall of, 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 of transparency or that wall that we put up that keeps us from being transparent with one another. You see, we live in a world, in a community that is, in, 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 that doesn't like transparency for all kinds of reasons. All kinds of reasons. Part of it is we're, we're afraid people will judge us. For what we, for who we are. People will judge us for who we are. They want us to be somebody that we're not. They expect us to have a certain level of, of holiness or righteousness or, or niceness or kindness that sometimes we just don't have. We just don't have. There's expectations that, that people have of us that we can't be. But God says, no, you need to be who you, des- who I made you to be. Who I designed you to be. I, you know, I think, I mean, I've struggled with that at times, trying to fit a mold of what, ex, of what other people expected me to be like. But I am, I, I'm not anybody else. I, I am who I am. I can't be somebody. I can't be perfect like some of you. Well, if, if you're perfect, we need that picture. Salome, make sure you make note of that picture because Jorge wants it in his office. For those who are perfect, right? So, I mean, but, but we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We're all, we're, we're people that are on a journey in relationship with Jesus and, and we're, we're stumbling, we're struggling, we're trying to find the way God has designed us so that we can grow together and we can be who, who we are. Another part of that transparency, I've already hinted a little bit, is can people, will people accept me for my, for my strengths and my weaknesses? Sometimes people don't like us because of our strengths that we bring to the table. 
We intimidate people. So sometimes that's a problem. But more often than not, it's our weaknesses, it's our failings, it's our brokenness. Can people accept me for who I am? For my brokenness, my failing, and my sin. We all have issues. I, I have issues. I, 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 I'm not, like I said, I'm not pretending to be perfect. We all have that. But God calls us to gather together so that we can, we can be transparent and then we can look at one another and saying, hey, you messed up, I messed up. Hey, let's do this together. That's part of the family that God calls us to be. But so often the church, some, well, I shouldn't say so often. Let me put it this way. Sometimes the church doesn't look at the, the family as being that way. It says it's, oh, that's bad. You shouldn't do it that way. You should have never done that. You should know better. Yeah, we all should know better. We all do the same things. We all do different things. And we all make those mistakes. You see, God calls us to, to work together. Even as last week we had communion. And, and one of the things about communion is God gathers us together and he says, recognizing one another. There's this aspect because we are all one party. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10, normally we look at 1 Corinthians 11, but in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says there, he says, you partake of one loaf because you're one body. You are part of one body. You are connected to one another. And we need to recognize each other and ignoring each other and pushing each other off and not, not working together is, is not the way God designed the new family to be. I mean, there's lots of places, there's lots of verses in Colossians and Ephesians. But in, in James, Paul, or James says this, he says in James 5.16, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's something about being open and honest with other people that God calls us to do that. And there is something that happens deep within us that when we do that, there is, a, there is healing that takes place, sometimes physical, sometimes in our souls, sometimes mentally, sometimes spiritually, whatever. But there's a healing that takes place when we're open and transparent with another individual and we can be honest about where we are at. Psychologists will tell you, if you, if you hang on to bitterness, it'll kill you. That's not, I mean, the Bible says that, but psychologists will tell you that. And that's how, I mean, that, that's part of it. We hang on to our sins so much because we're afraid of opening up our lives and allowing us to be, allowing people to see us for who we are because we're afraid that they may judge us. And that should be the farthest thing from what God calls us to do. Because in Ephesians 4.32, Paul says this. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ, God, as Christ God forgave you. You see, we go, yeah, we're forgiving each other. But we, not, we forget that first part, be kind and compassionate. Because it's easy to stand and going, oh, you should have known that. I'll be nice to you, but boy, I'll forgive you, but... And that's not the way God intended us to be. When people fail, and when people come and ask for forgiveness, God calls us to rally around them and help them for their sake and for ours. Jesus says this in Matthew. 
He says, Matthew five or Matthew six, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. You're going, whoa. That's hard teaching. Those are hard, hard words. I mean, we like to try and, well, yeah, I mean, Jesus will forgive me. And No, no. Jesus literally said, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. That's hard. Those are hard words. But Jesus was known for hard words. But those are hard, loving words. They're not, they're not condemning words. He's calling us to say the way you want to be forgiven, that's how you should forgive others. If someone confesses their sin, we should forgive them. Because that's what we want. That's exactly what we want. Other places in, in Luke, it says that when, 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 the, when people are broken and lost and they come back and repent to God, it says heaven throws a party. Angels celebrate. Angels celebrate. When was the last time you celebrated someone when they confessed a sin to you? You said, praise God, I'm glad, so glad you had the courage to tell me. God will forgive you. Have you ever celebrated that with someone? That's a, that's a, that's a big step of faith to be able to celebrate that. But that's exactly what it says. The scriptures, that's what happens in heaven. There's this issue of transparency that we need to have between us and other people. God says, tear down the walls. We are a new family. The second area is this. I don't want to spend as much time on this one, but that's an area of trust because transparency leads to trust, doesn't it? Transparency leads to trust. It's easy to trust people who are perfect. Right? It's easy to trust people who are perfect. People who love us, people who like us, people we get along with. Easy to, it's easy to trust people who are perfect, who don't ever cross us. But when things go wrong, somehow we have to figure out how to redo that, re-engage them at a new level. I mean, sure, we can, we can forgive them. And, and the Bible, I mean, I, I want to make a distinction here. There's a distinction between forgiveness and trust. Some people you need to forgive, but doesn't necessarily you mean you trust them. If, you know, they, somebody may have stolen $20 from you, and you're going, okay, I forgive them, but I'm not going to leave 20, my next $20 on the counter so they can be tempted again. You know what I'm saying? Until they earn the right to be trusted. So there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Trust has to be earned. Trust takes time. Trust need, means we have to allow people to, to... It has to be a mutual thing where we trust them and they trust us. And, and sometimes when we get that transparency thing and we're open and honest about our own failings, then people going, okay, you've told me that kind of stuff about you. Okay, I'm going to trust you now with this part of my life. There has to be mutual kind of give and take on that. Sometimes that's hard. And sometimes we have to be the bigger person on it. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 18, he says, If it is possible, and then he adds another qualifier, as far as it depends on you. If it is possible, and if, and if you can have anything to do with it, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes that's hard. When somebody doesn't really want want to make peace, somebody doesn't really want to work with you, someone doesn't want, somebody doesn't want to, to be in your life, 
especially when they're family members. That's tough. But Jesus says, still the responsibility is yours to go and make peace, to work hard at it. And that's hard in the middle of a conflict. Trust me, I've had to do that. I've been a part of that in my own family. And sometimes I've not been the one that stepped up first. But that's what God calls us, is to be the one who steps up first and seeks to bring peace. There needs to be that sense of, of trust. And, and that's hard, as I said, when, when conflict happens. But it depends on how we look at conflict. If we look at conflict as something that is more, more opposition, where you're going head to head, then it can go sideways really quickly. There's a verse that came out to me that in the last little bit that we've talked about, and that's from Proverbs 27, 17. Um, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You see, there, there's, there, there's friction that happens when you, when you sharpen a, a blade. There's friction that happens. But it's good friction. And it's, it's friction moving in the right direction, not opposed to it. If, I mean, if you took a blade, a knife, and started trying to sharpen it this way, it's not going to be very sharp. But you get it at the right angle. And you work at it. It can, it can, it can bring a sharpness to both people, not just even to the one. So we need to work on our aspect of transparency and trust. Those are, those are two big things. And the last one is, is kind of a, another one of those areas that is, is, is really tough to figure. And we, we tried to, Hori and I kind of talked about a couple different words. And this is, it worked out that we could actually get three T's on it. So it was kind of surprising. But the last one is called thriving. Transparency, trust, and thriving. Well, what's thriving? Thriving is engaging and growing and living, not necessarily in a conflict-free environment, but working together in engaging each other where, where there's this, this vibrant sense of life. Even in the midst of opposition. Farmers, you guys know that, you know, you can't have a perfect environment is sun shining every day. But you need to know there needs to be rain. And there needs to be, uh, you know, a certain amount of moisture. And, and if there's wind and stuff like that, it can help because it sometimes creates strength within the root systems. And that's what happens with trees. They, they, they have to grow down deeper and sometimes they intercede and, or grow deeper and they intertwine and it creates a root system that allows them to stand all kinds of tests and oppositions so they can grow stronger. And that's what thriving is all about. It's, it's, it's this aspect of, of working together, of mutual submission and, and, and understanding one another and growing in a way that, that's that iron sharpens iron kind of aspect. There's another, there's another passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 to 12. And this one I think kind of encapsulates the whole part of what, we, what we've been trying to talk about, this whole thing of family. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. How many of you ever had a project where you needed another person to help you? There's always something you can do that always works way better when you have two people. And sometimes even more. 
Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I know that from experience. Not that a couple of years ago here, I fell off my ladder at home. And I thought I broke my foot. Actually, I did break my foot. But, you know, there's a sense of, you're all alone and you're, you're laying on the ground and your foot's in agony. Another time I remember when I was, I, I shouldn't be telling you this story, but I was chasing a cat off our deck. This was back when we were in Airdrie. Chased the cat off our deck and I hit a piece of ice and wiped out and landed on my back and knocked the wind out of me. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. And Vange wasn't home. I didn't have my cell phone with me. And here I am laying on the back deck. It's cold outside without a coat on. And I'm thinking I'm going to die. And there's no one there to help me. You see, that comes at the... I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) I didn't plan on that. And that's the problem is when... If we need people, sometimes they're there, but there's times when we, we're not planning on it and we need someone, and who do we call? Solomon goes on to say, Also, if two lie down together, they, keep, they will keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? Ladies, you probably know that well. It's nice to cuddle up to a warm husband. Then verse 12. The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, that's what thriving is all about. It's, it's growing in the face of opposition. It's not where everything is well and everything's going good and, but when things are, 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 are difficult, when there's tough calls, when there's challenges, do we have people that we can pull alongside of us, and they will work with us and not against us. It isn't just about making it through. It's going, oh, I made it through. No, it's about enjoying the journey and thriving and engaging and and, and going the distance. But that's hard because that means this, this thing called relationship. Relationship. And that's tough. That's tough. It's difficult. Sometimes messy. Sometimes as individuals, um, you know, we, we, we look at relationships and we're going, oh yeah, I can, I can give, I can give, I can give. But it's hard to receive. Because, well, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And Jesus says, no. Can you receive? And sometimes Jesus will take us through a challenge because he wants us to know how to receive from others. And sometimes it's... And, and so we got to look at why do, why do we find it so difficult to receive? Is it mistrust? Is it because we're not transparent? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it shame? Like, what is it that's causing us from not allowing to receive help from someone else? To be in a relationship. To know that other people will have our back. That other people are going to be there to support us. And 
not have our back in the sense of stab us in the back, but have our back because they're there to help us and want to move us along. You see, the, a lot of us live in a world where that is not... Yeah, we have maybe one or two, maybe, that might do that in real tough situations. But you see, Jesus calls us as a church to have one another's back in all kinds of ways. Now, and I'm gonna, I'm making a presupp, a presupposing here that that some or all of you don't, but I know that many of you have great relationships with people. You have connections. You have people. You, you've 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 become transparent. You've allowed to trust others, and you've allowed to, you've. You've trusted others and they're trusting you and you've gotten to that place of, of thriving where you're growing. But, but I also know that I would be a fool to think that there aren't many of you and probably more than a few of you that are looking for that, are looking to engage in a relationship building time with somebody because you're going, I, I just need someone to be there for me, to help me and come alongside me. That's why we started this series is because we want to encourage people to engage and see what what the church could really be. And I'm not talking about Sunday morning. We're, we're talking, that's part of it, but it's more than that. It's about engaging in relationship in some form of a, of, of a cell, a small group, a connections with other people on a more intimate level. As I, say, as I said, sometimes we feel like, well, I don't need anything. I don't need anybody. And that may be true for now. But what happens when you're, when you're like me laying on the back deck looking up at the wheel that's broken on your, on your uh, barbecue and thinking, this is the last thing I'm going to see is a broken wheel on my barbecue. Don't ask me why I thought that, but that's what I was thinking. And that's the last thing you remember. I mean, it, does it take something like that to say, hey, we need people in our lives? Or as I said, maybe we're happy to help others but not to receive. To give. And we're, we're more than happy. But God says, no, I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to be able to receive as well. So we, as a church, we really want you to connect. To take the step of faith and, and connect with others. Find a group. Start a group. Make a group. Group could be any size. It might be two or three people. It might be six. It might be six couples. Whatever works for you. You might meet as couples and split up men and women separate for part of your time and get together other times. I mean, whatever. There's no set, there's no model that says this is how you gotta do it, but the Bible does tell us that we need to, to connect. Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together to encourage one another, to be there for one another. Size is is important, but who is more important? Who can you be a part of? Who is a part of your group? And I encourage you just to ask Jesus. I mean, we could we could put you together, but it probably wouldn't work out so well. It's we watched Cinderella with our grandkids the other day, and uh, it'd be a little bit like taking the shoe and trying to shove the wrong foot into the into the shoe. Right? That's it. That's how the story goes. And we know that that didn't work. But when you got the right one, it just slid on and fit so perfectly. 
And that's what Jesus calls us to do, is to, to find out, ask him, show us who is it that fits in, who's part of our group, who can we connect with, who can we be transparent with, who can we be honest with, who can be the iron that sharpens iron and ch- call us, sharpen us and make us thrive. Now, we can help you if you're, if you're, if you decide to be the leader and you're going, oh, Jorge and I, we'd be love to sit down with you and help you with curriculum or give you some ideas of where to start and some things to look at and kind of help you as the leader. But if you don't, there's others too that can help with leadership too. It's not best to be just us. There's some of you who are really good at this and have done it for many, many years. We'd love to have you be part of that whole process. But we encourage you to start. Look around. Ask God who. And if you're thinking, if you're still left scratching, you're going, I still don't have any idea, then talk to Jorge and I, and we'd love to sit down and meet with you and help you figure out, figure that out. We'll, because I know there's some groups that are starting up. If you look in here, there's one, one that's advertised. I think there's another one that's going to be in the, in the bulletin next week. So look, start looking around for places to connect. And if not, start a group. We'll help you with that in any way that we can. Jorge's not here today. Um, him, he's on a date with his wife, um, and I think Elias is with him. So Grandma and Grandpa are looking after the kids, and then Jorge's going to be away next week. But he's going to be or next weekend. But he's going to be here all this week. So don't be afraid to text us. Text us, call us, whatever. Send us an email. We'd love to help you connect and grow in whichever way that will make you the best, be the best person that God has designed you to be. It's easy just to think of our relationship with God as me and Jesus. That's part of it. That's an important part of it. But it's not the only part of it. Because God said that he's growing us together, he's connecting us together, as Jorge said last week, we're a family. And God's uniting us together because in uniting us together, it brings greater glory to him because who could ever put the diverse people that we have in this church together in one place and call it a body? Only Jesus. On any given Sunday, we have maybe a dozen or 14 different nationalities in this place. That is only God. That's only God. We can't do it. But God can. And God wants to do that in our lives. And there's a richness that comes when we, when we have people of differences and we get together and connect and see what God is doing in our midst. It's, it's just amazing. And God gets the glory because only God can do it. Right? Amen. That's awesome. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Lord, I, I thank you for this church. It, as I look around, I, I just am blown away at the way you have worked in our midst week after week and the people that you bring here, the people that you call here, the people that you raise up to get involved in serving, the way you call us to reach beyond our walls into our community and to serve those around us, the way you allow us to be open people and to embrace people who have fallen and broken and and loving on people and caring for people. God, you have created an amazing group of people here, and God, we just want to do that even better than the way we have. Lord, I I celebrate with those that are connected and those that are part of groups and those that feel like they have people that have their backs and Lord, those that are things that are going well in their lives and they're engaging and, and, and sharpening each other and thriving together, God, God, we celebrate that. 
But I know, Lord, that there's others here who want that, who long for that, and, and are got some stuff in their life that they want to walk through and they need people to help them with. Or maybe they're doing good, but they just want to help someone else. God, I pray that you would help us to connect. Holy Spirit, you are the, you are the one who knows the hearts of everyone here in this, in this, that calls Linden Alliance home. You know the relationships, you know our strengths and our weaknesses, and you know what will make us thrive and which will just drive us crazy. So Lord, lead us to the people that will make us thrive. People we can be transparent with, people we can trust. And God, we'll give you the glory for you alone are worthy of it. And so, God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Amen. So if you have any questions, don't be afraid to talk to us. Talk to one of the elders. Um, Find someone, another small group leader. There's a few that are operating that are open. Make sure you talk to somebody and try and get in a group if you're not. God bless. Have a great week.